0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church sermon of the week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.
1: Good morning, church. I'm so glad you're all here this morning, I chose to come to church, those joining us online. Thank you so much for being with us. I've um, been anticipating this morning for a long time. You know, one of my um, one of the joys of me shepherding this, this church family is the opportunity to invite voices and friends and leaders that I highly respect and love to come and pour into our church family. And so this morning we, we get to welcome a guest, um, but it's a longtime friend of mine. And so I pr- I've been praying that this morning that he would deposit something into you and into us that would be transformative for us. So I, I pray that even in that atmosphere of worship that your heart's been prepared for God's word. Amen you ready? Yeah. Okay, so I've talked a lot about um, the college season in my life as being a very transformative season in my life, and a big reason that was was because of the man you're going to meet this morning, Josh Shaldol. Uh, he was just a friend uh, in the right time, and the right season of my life that came alongside me and spurred me on in my faith, and it was a huge reason um, the Lord did such a transformative work in my life, in my college years at North Dakota State. Um, and so we've, we've stayed friends over the years. We, we had so much fun in undergrad together that we decided to also do grad school together uh, later on down the road. And he's shaking his head because it wasn't so much fun, but, but I was glad to suffer with a friend. Uh, now, Pastor Josh Shaldall is a pastoring Evangel Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, really a regional church impacting thousands of people. Uh, in North Dakota and beyond. And so we're really uh, excited this morning. And so to show our appreciation and thanks, uh, let's honor Pastor Josh by standing to our feet and give him a huge life point round of applause. Let's give him some love. Come on.
0: All right, that's that's enough. You can sit down. Thank you so much. It's so ironic because... Drew says all these nice things about me, but Drew saved my life. I mean, he came into my life at a a key moment. I literally was floundering in my college years, and I went to an outdoor Christian music festival, uh, and I was searching for community. And a month before that, I had stepped out on my balcony overlooking Fargo, and I said, Lord, I need friends here, like good friends, godly friends. And one month to the day later, I walked into a big tent where this cool band was signing autographs, (laughs) and uh, all of that band pretty much is here at this church now. So uh, I literally walked into the tent, and Drew was standing at a table across the tent, and we had seen each other before, but not really met, and he just went. And so I went, (laughs) and the rest is history, and we became friends, and and uh, I know I had an impact on his life, but he literally w- was a saving grace in my life. It was such a pivotal moment for me, and he began to disciple me, invited me into his connect group and into the apartment where the guys were living, and it really did change my life. And you never know who is going to enter into your life this week that you can have a major impact. I was, I was worshiping, and I felt like God was speaking to my heart about King David in the cave. And uh, if you know the story, you know, he had already been anointed king, but he was living in the cave. He was running from Saul. And Drew, in many ways, is a caveman in that he will live the hidden life. He doesn't have to be out in front of people. Um, He can have God doing great things, you guys, your family, and you're not going to push it out in front of everybody. And uh, what happened while David was in the cave is God gathered mighty people around him, and that's happening in this church I just, I, I mean, even some of our friends from Fargo, I said, you guys are getting the band back together, like, just these generals of the faith, and they're all rallying to this point, and what I love the most about it is when David was in the cave, he didn't persevere because he wanted a throne, Right. He got a throne, but he didn't necessarily want one. That wasn't his end goal. And I know the heart of these pastors and their goal is not a throne. But what did David accomplish in the cave and coming out of the cave? They won many battles. And I believe that that is a prophetic word to this church in this season, that it is not about the throne, and you don't have leaders who are looking for a throne, but you have leaders that are going to lead you through battles. And there's going to be victories for God's nation, for God's people, because of the the leadership that he's put in this church. Amen? If you believe it, so be it. I believe it's God's word for you today. Um, Man, I'm just thankful to be here, and uh, I've been on a a week-long vacation Uh, I haven't preached in about three weeks, so I hope this goes okay. Um, But we've just been resting and uh, having having a restoring time uh, in our family's life, which has mostly been uh, actually moving into the home that we bought about six months ago. And uh, with COVID, we were shut down and open and all sorts of crazy things happening. And now we've just taken some time uh, to be together as a family. We added our third child on December 21st. Uh, So her name is Berkeley, and she joined our family around that time. And um, before I get there, actually, let me just introduce my family. I think there's a picture. Uh, Maybe that's coming. Uh, Yeah, there they are. Uh, This is our family, my wife, Janae. Maybe they're watching. Welcome to everybody who's watching online. And then my oldest son, Avery, is five, and he is a ball of energy. Uh, I compare him to your daughter, Addison, just like full of life and relational, and uh, then our daughter, Lily, who was actually adopted into our family a couple of years ago. She's three now, and she is all the emotions and art that you can imagine, and dancing. And then uh, our baby girl, Berkeley, who my wife just gave birth to in December. And so uh, that's our family, and uh, we very much feel uh, all the feels of leading what God is doing while also trying to pastor our own home. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about Uh, I want to share with you kind of what God has just been stirring in us in this season. I believe that coming out of everything that's happened in our world in the last year, that God is positioning his church. That he's purifying, he's cleansing, he's positioning his church to really reach people. And I think we're, we're living in a day and age where there's so many voices and so many messages and so many opinions. Uh, there's this, you know, amazing idea out there and nobody really abides by it. But just because you think something doesn't mean you have to say it, you know, or tweet it. And, uh, but there's all these voices and all these people who are now experts on everything that are out there. And what an amazing opportunity for the clarity and the truth of the gospel to come through in that moment. And for people searching for answers and searching for truth, and we're seeing it, there's like a surge happening in our church, not of COVID, but of people coming to know Jesus. We've baptized more people in the last two months than we had in almost eight months in the last two years, each of the last two years. And God is stirring. He's doing something. And Uh, I believe that the light of the gospel and the message of God's word is going to get brighter and brighter in the days that we live in. And it's an incredible opportunity now to know what you believe, to live the message, and to walk that out. And God is bringing in a harvest. And don't get distracted by all the voices. Don't get distracted by all the other things. Uh, Don't get so caught up in what the world is doing that you miss what's happening in the kingdom that you miss what God is doing. And we've been talking about this in our church, kingdom come, I think it was on one of the t-shirts that I saw on the screen. What does it mean for the kingdom of God to actually come in our lives? And our prayer this year has been Matthew six ten: God, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, how do we make room for that to actually happen? Because it's one thing to pray that and it's another thing to position your life for the kingdom to actually come. Because how can God fill something that's already full of other things? But really positioning your life and your heart and saying, God, come and fill this space in my life. Come and fill me with more of you, less of me and more of you. It's the heart and the tenor of Second Timothy. When Paul writes to Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 21, he says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. That if you will let go of the one thing, you can have more of a different thing. If you'll let go of the dishonorable, God will fill you with what is honorable. You'll be set apart as holy. And then watch these. Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Isn't it amazing that the very same God who hangs the earth on nothing says, you can be useful in my house. The same God who breathes mountains and oceans, just the words that he speaks, looks at us and says that we can be ready for every good work that he has prepared for us. If you're taking notes today, the message is entitled, Useful and Ready. Being useful and ready for what we believe God is doing right now in this season, in the church, and in the lives of his people. It was just over a year ago that my wife and I had just taken a sabbatical and uh, we went and we vacationed together and we took our family to Arizona. And in the middle of that time of rest, a few things happened. And my grandma passed away the first week and then uh, our sickness went through our family the next week. And, and then uh, we were actually on a cruise in the middle of the ocean and we had just left uh, the port in Haiti and we were, we were out on the open water for 36 hours. Uh, At that point, before we came back to Florida, and we were sleeping, it was about two or three in the morning, and my wife has always prayed this prayer, and especially after having our first child, she just really wrestled with anxiety of, like, are my kids okay? Am I protecting them? And kind of that, maybe some of you have felt that when you started to have a family, all of a sudden you realize, like, I'm raising these people and I can't control whether they're okay all the time or not. And we wrestled with that. And uh, she began to pray this prayer, God, if there's anything happening with my kids in the night, I need you to wake me up. Like, I just need your Holy Spirit to help me. And her praying that way actually gave her peace to fall asleep at night, trusting that God was going to help her, that he was going to wake her up, that he would take care of them. And uh, we're floating on the ocean and it was, I don't know, one, two, three in the morning and Janae woke up out of a dead sleep and her heart just felt this tension in it. And she felt like she needed to check the security system at our house. And she pulled up her phone, and she opened our security app. And when she opened up the front doorbell camera, it's 2 a.m. back home. Our front screen door was propped open, and she saw firemen going in and out of our house. And uh, she immediately woke me up. And, man, if you've ever had a moment like that where you were waking up, woke up in a panic, you never forget (laughs) that feeling... And uh, she said, something's going on at the house. And I immediately thought that one of our family members that was staying with the kids had a heart attack or something uh, like that had taken place. And um, But we didn't see any of our family. So finally, she started talking through the doorbell and uh, saying, what's going on? What's going on? And I said, Janae, just let them work. And a fireman stopped and turned around, and he actually started talking to us through our doorbell. And uh, listen, we had all the precautions in place. Like, we're not negligent parents, and a series of events happened that allowed everybody in our house to be exposed to carbon monoxide and we found and he told us that everybody in the house had taken a heavy dose of carbon monoxide and had been taken in the ambulance and what he didn't tell us is whether any of them were alive and so we're on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean and um he stopped talking to us, and I ran down to the front desk, and I said, is there any way off the boat? I will swim. <laughs> like, is there... And he said, no, there's no way. Like, You're stuck on the boat for 36 hours. And uh, went 15 minutes without ever knowing if my kids were alive. And it breaks my heart for those of you that have lost a child, because even uh, being in that moment of not knowing, I, I can't even imagine. We didn't know what else to do except hold each other, go back and forth to the bathroom because we were both physically ill and just cry and we just prayed in the spirit. We're like, what else do we do? <laughs> you know, have you ever come to those moments where it's like, I am powerless right now. There's nowhere else to turn. And uh, long story short, we finally got through the hospital um, and we FaceTimed and our kids were all okay. And uh, really long story short, they told us, hey, your daughter whimpered. And when she whimpered, a family member got up to check on her and she was limp. He said, you were less than 30 minutes away from everybody in the house being gone and losing both of our children. And we just realized in that moment how we can have these titles in life like mother, father, pastor, and they can be stripped away in a moment. And just really how important is it to, to recognize where does our actual identity come from? Where do we find our trust and where do we find our hope and our peace? And I tell you that story because it was in that moment that all we knew to do was to gather ourselves together and, and just begin to pray, and to pray in the Spirit, and to weep, and just ask God. Uh, because how many of you, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done can be a great, exciting prayer when it talks about people getting saved, right? But it's a scary prayer when God says, okay, my kingdom means that you're going to walk through persecution, or you're going to walk through trial, or I'm going to prune you, Right? That's, that's a more difficult prayer. But if we're really going to say, God, let your kingdom come, then it means that once in a while, there might be some pruning. We might walk through some difficulty in our lives. But even when we walk through difficulty, God is still faithful. He still looks after us. He still helps us no matter what our plight and no matter what it is that we walk through. See, Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power. And sometimes we need the power to reach people. Other times we need the power because we're hanging on to the last strand of the end of our rope and we don't know where else to turn. Anybody? You've been there? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And I know many of you know this, but he's saying you will be my witness in Ames and in Iowa and across the United States and all across the earth. That's what the power is for. So that you might be my witness. See, sometimes it's for ministry. Other times it's because you're at the end of your rope. But that power is a real kind of power. It's the kind of power that in scripture it's called dunamis, which is dynamite-like power. In the heart and in the life of the believer, it's an inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exerts or puts forth. But the power that we believe in is not because of your human nature. It's not about self-help. It's not about self-discovery. It's not about becoming a better leader. It's not about uh, self-revelation or prophecy or speaking into existence who you're going to become. The power that the gospel is talking about is the power you receive when your old life is laid down in Christ and raised to new life in him. That is when you receive power. That is the power that the Bible is actually talking to us about in the scripture. It's not your nature. It's the new nature that you have in Christ. And this dunamis power is miracle working power. And not only that, not only for the outside, but it's miracle working power on the inside. It's the miracle working power that allows you to become morally excellent in the way that God has called you to live. It's the kind of power that works within the life of the believer to bring an excellence of soul and of of spirit to become like Christ. It's that kind of power that washes you and justifies you and sanctifies you and makes you right before God. Not by your own work, but by the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's this dunamis power that is working right now in this room, both in you to transform you into the likeness of Christ and through you to touch a world that's hopeless and in need. This dynamite-like power that God wants to work in us so that we are useful and ready to be his witnesses. See, there's a major difference between having a knowledge of the power of God and having an experience with the power of God. And there's a lot of people that talk about what the power of God must be like or a knowledge, a head knowledge of Christ or a head knowledge of the work of the Spirit. But it's entirely different when you've experienced it. When, when it's the kind of power that, that you know is working in your life and how do you know? It's, it's your testimony, it's if you sit right now and say, who was I before Christ? And who would I have become if not for Christ? I talk about the impact Drew and Tanya and Tony have had on my life. Tony's the first one who said, hey, Josh, have you ever thought about, you know, interning at the church, maybe doing ministry? I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's a thought. <laughs> it's, it's an experience of the power of God. It's the power of God working in us and through us. See, the church is defined and divided by whether the people are witnesses testifying to the power of God or people with the knowledge of God but empty of power. And there will be movements of people in the last days that talk about the power of God, but that power is absent in their everyday life. Right, It says the love of many will grow cold. The Bible tells us it says there will be many people who talk about the power of God, but the power of God won't be at work in them or through them. They will be empty of that power. But we know that power is available, amen? You will receive power. So then the discussion becomes, why has God given us power? And the And the discussion becomes, What about the times that that power is misused? What about the the times where that power isn't doing what it's supposed to do in our lives? Here's why you've received power, because you're a sign, right? Many of you, you rolled up to church today and you rolled right through that stop sign, right? (laughs) That stop sign is not uh, on the intersection of the road to say, look at me, I'm a beautiful octagon. Everybody notice me, I have the word stop. There's no other sign like me. In all the earth, but there's some people who receive the power of God, and that's what it becomes about. Like, look at what God is doing through me. I, I, I'm I'm an influence. God is working in my life. That's not what it's all about. A sign is pointing to an intersection. A sign is pointing to what will happen if you don't stop. It's pointing to potential danger. And in the same way in our lives, if God does anything in me, it's because Christ is being glorified in my life. If God does anything through me or our church or your church, it's not about you, it's about Jesus being elevated. In, in your life, I, I am not a healer. I have a family member who, one time I prayed for him and, and he heard stories that I had prayed for people and, and they received healing. And he says, there's my nephew, the healer. I'm like, I'm not a healer, but I know the healer. I'm not a, I'm not redemptive or a redeemer, but I know the redeemer. I'm not able to restore people, but I know the restorer. I'm just a sign pointing to the Father, and if God works his power in me and through me, it's just so that Christ might be glorified. It's so that people might see the Father and know him and experience his heart for each one of them. I, I think about it this way, that your, your life is not meant to be a generator. We're all more familiar with generators after the last couple of weeks. You're not a generator. You're not this this little pot sitting on the stove that just gets warmer and warmer and starts bubbling and sometimes we seek God that way like if I just seek him more and feel something more and try to do more then maybe spiritually I'll warm up a little bit and something good will happen no you're not a little generator of power you're not a little generator of authority you're, you're not a, a little generator of healing you're an extension cord You're a conduit of somebody else's power, not generating your own. You know what that means? When you're plugged into the source, there is power available. But when you're disconnected, apart from him, you can do nothing. An extension cord is powerful when it plugs in. It it brought music into this room today. It's helping my, my voice be magnified for you to be able to hear it. But an extension cord on its own, just lays in the bottom drawer until it's needed. An extension cord, though, when plugged into the source, can be plugged into somebody's hurting or in need and can become a great conduit of the power of God. Come on, are you, are you seeing it? You will receive power. Why? Because you will be my witnesses. The power of God flowing through you to touch the lives of the people around you. I know you care about this because everywhere I look, it says live the message and you can't live the message if it's your message. You can't live the message if you're just plugged into your own self-help. You can't live the message unless you're plugged in to the mes- to the one you, the author, being plugged into the source. And what's amazing about God is that all He asks is that you plug in. You don't have to work yourself up. You don't gotta try to make it to a certain point of of being holy enough. He says, if you just plug in, I'll work through you. I'll do powerful things in and through your life. This is why 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. And not to us. Why? Because you're an extension cord. This all-surpassing power belongs to God. And not to us. There's three components really of, of this scripture. There's the treasure. And then there's the clay. And then really there's who gets the credit. Three components. There's treasure. There's clay. And then there's really the determination of who gets the credit. And every one of us who follows Christ Jesus, holds treasure. And even if you don't follow Jesus right now, do you know what is still true? That even in the midst of all the clay of your life, there is gold in you. Why? Because you are still made in the image of God. Even the people that surround you, that are in your workplaces, that you have to deal with in the world, that you're like, I can't stand that person. They need to meet Jesus. Guess what? Made in the image of God. They still have value because even though the power of God may not be working in and through their life right now, they, were still, they still carry his DNA, whether they know it or not. And this allows us to look at every person around us. Here's the evangelist coming out. Every person in your workplace, every, every person that you cross paths with and see them and say, I, I can look at all the clay, all the dirt, or I can find the tiny piece of gold and focus in on that. And maybe if I begin to speak to the nature of God within them, it will help them to discover God, to discover his work in their life, to see people as made in the image of God rather than seeing them as as clay. Why? Because sinners are going to act like sinners, praise God. People who are filled with clay are going to act like clay. But when the power of God works in us and the power of God works through us, then we find that there is a treasure within us. And I want to remind you today that your treasure, your value comes from the treasure. Your value does not come from the clay. It does not come from the way that you look. It does not come from what you do. It does not come from how much money you make. It does not come from what people say about you. Your value comes from the treasure that God has put the very glory of Christ within you. That gives the vessel value. The fact that God did not just form you out of the dust of the earth, that would have been one thing, right? Wow, I was made by God. You know what's better? God took the breath of life and he breathed into me. God made me in the imago day, in the very image of God. That is where the value comes from that's what your children that's what your teenagers need to hear and know that they were made in the image of God and that's where they derive their value from the treasure this is the kingdom of God at work in us we are witnesses calling people to the treasure not the clay here's the problem with calling people to yourself you will disappoint people No matter how great a leader is, no matter how great a pastor is, no matter how great a father or a mother is, they will always fall short. They will always miss the mark. But when we call people to the treasure rather than the clay, then we can be witnesses. See, we live in a culture that doesn't exalt the treasure, we live in a culture that is all about the clay, right? This is why we we exalt celebrity and we exalt fame and we exalt not what's in the heart, we exalt what it looks like on the outside. And we're obsessed with what Jesus called the outside of the cup. That as long as things look good on the outside, then that must mean that somebody is good. And this is why we allow Uh, people who are famous or people who have celebrity to tell us how we should think or the way that we should live or define what is right and what is wrong. And there's this obsession in our culture with the outside of the cup. But Jesus says, don't just clean the outside, clean the inside. Don't just take care of the outside of the cup, clean the inside. See, Samuel had an opportunity when he met Jesse's family. He walked in the door and he said, hey, I'm looking to anoint the next king. And all Jesse's sons, all looking very kingly. They were tall, dark, and handsome. They were strong. They were, they were like, it's got to be this one. Nope, it's got to be this one. Nope, got to be this one. Samuel wasn't looking at the outside of the cup. He was looking for somebody with the right heart. And Samuel just goes, next, 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 next. But then in comes David. Who probably hadn't cleaned the outside of the cup. (laughs) He was living out in the pasture with the sheep, fighting battles. But God doesn't look at the outside, does he? God looks at the heart. And Samuel saw David and he said, This is the one, this is my witness. This is the one that I'm going to anoint king. This is the one that's going to be filled with God's leadership and with God's power. We're not going to become enamored with the outside of the cup. We're going to see the one who's made himself honorable on the inside. See, there is this dilemma and this epidemic happening in the church of Christian leaders who look really good on the outside, but on the inside, the cup has not been cleaned. And all of a sudden, they rise and they rise and they rise and they rise and then they fall and we all go, but we can never allow somebody's giftedness to outpace their godliness. We can't just look at the giftedness of the people around us and say, wow, they're so gifted, they're so talented, that must mean that they're godly. No, we should should first and foremost cultivate godliness in our lives. And as you cultivate godliness and you fan into flame the giftedness that God has put inside you, then the treasure takes the center scene at the show. But we've learned to just cultivate giftedness and think that giftedness just equates godliness. I had a pastor mentor one time who said, Josh, sometimes the enemy will allow the tree to grow really, really, really big just so when he cuts it down, it'll crush more people. But I do have good news. And the good news is there are leaders who are doing it right. And and this house has leaders who are filled with godliness. And their giftedness is coming alongside their godliness to minister to God's people. There are leaders still in the church world and across the nation and writing books that are actually letting their godliness outpace their giftedness. And that should be our goal as people, that it always remains about the treasure and not about the clay in our lives. See, a a good way to really know where you're at is to ask yourself these questions, See it's it's really about who gets the credit. So even revealed in your quiet time it's this question am i seeking god so i might get more gifted or that i might become more godly. Am i seeking god for something he might give me or am i seeking him so that i might know him more? Am I praying and seeking God so I might know Christ more or so that I might be more gifted? Am I seeking God so I can become a better version of myself or am I seeking God so I might become like Christ Jesus? This is what it means to clean the inside of the cup and to keep things about the treasure and not about the clay. Come on, I don't want to be a super cool extension cord. I've never seen one in my life. (laughs) but I want to be a great conduit of God's power, amen? And I want that for you, that your giftedness would come to the surface. The best way that you can serve this church is not by sitting in a chair on a Sunday. The best way that you can serve this church is by being godly and discovering the giftedness that God has put in you and using it to advance the kingdom. Because it's in every one of us. I, I love my life verse is what God spoke to Jeremiah. He said before I formed you in your mother 's womb, I knew you, and I appointed you as a prophet to nations and i I just find it so amazing. This is why my time with the Lord is so important because it takes my perspective and my view of myself and goes like this, and it takes my view of God and expands it and I realize man i 'm just a tiny little person from a tiny little place, from a tiny little state. And God uses me? But how many of you know God is just looking for a heart that's repentant and humble? God's just looking for a vessel, somebody that he can use where it's not gonna be about them, it's gonna be about him. And he'll use you in spite of yourself sometimes. I get on the stage every weekend, preach three services, three services, and there's many times that I walk up and I go, I don't know why God chose me. <laughs> like Bryce's little brother is on staff with me. He's in Tony's little brother. And he's amazing. I call him a utility knife because he's good at everything. It's ridiculous. I have incredibly talented people. And I just say, I don't know why God uses me. I can be a super lousy husband. Anybody else? Oh, no hands, okay, just me. Thank you for that hand. <laughs> i can be a lousy dad. I can miss the mark. I can preach better than I practice sometimes. But God still uses me. And I think it's that humility and that understanding of, I'm just an extension cord. <laughs> that when we really grasp that and when we own that, God says, I will plug you in and I will do great things through you. And I I believe that for you today, that you would be useful and ready in the hand of God to do the things that he's called you to do and to live the way that he's called you to live. God has equipped us, right? He's gifted us. That word gifted or spiritual gift means charisma. It means the same word that we get charisma from. It's that God has given you an endowment of his power to use for his work. That he didn't just say, hey, I want you to be an extension cord for me, but you're on your own. You got to make it work. No, God took something and he deposited it in your life. And he said, this giftedness that now I'm giving you is from me. And if you will take it and if you will discover it and if you will fan it into flame, then you can really go and change the world. Then you can really go and impact hopeless people that live around you. Tony, you and the team can come if you would. God has equipped you with spiritual gifts. We're instructed about it all the way through 1 Corinthians 12. He says that there's a variety of gifts. There's a variety of service. There's a variety of activities. But listen, to each, everybody say each, to each. Each is given what? The manifestation of the spirit. Now listen, I pastor a Midwest church and, and I, know, I know the thought. It's like, hey, my faith is kind of my faith, <laughs> It's private. I'm on a journey in you know, all these things that we say. It's, it's just for between me and the Lord. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you follow Christ, he's given you his Holy Spirit, that he's made you a witness. And not only did he call you to do it, but he deposited within you a gift of the Spirit, each one of you. Why? For the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What is manifestation? It's the coming out of the Spirit in your life. It's the revealing of the children of God. It's the revealing of God's will and and God's word for your life. And let me tell you something, friend no matter what age you are, you can think you're living, but you're really not living until you discover the purpose God has for you. You're really not living until you realize that you've been uniquely created, uniquely called, and uniquely gifted to not just be a part of the kingdom of God, but to expand the kingdom of God. God has given you authority. He's given you the ability, he's given you the giftedness to not just go to work, but to change the culture and the environment of your workplace. To not just go to your church. And Isn't that the question? What church do you go to? You should start saying, I don't go to any church. I am a part of the church at (laughs) LifePoint. Because the culture of the house changes when everybody discovers what Christ has called them to do. And man, if this church is going to come roaring out of the cave and win many battles, it's going to become, be because every person, not just prays enough, not just worship, worships God enough, but every person discovers that there's an armor and there are weapons for battle and giftedness that God has given you to fight every battle. Sitting alone on a cruise ship, not knowing if my kids were alive, and I began to pray in the Spirit, and I realized God has equipped me for every situation even the worst of the worst, right? He's equipped us. It's not about comparison of the gifts. I will never shepherd people. I read Drew's book that's out there in the lobby. You can take one for free. And I thought, I will never shepherd people like him. I could try and I could take courses. It's his gift. And you're so blessed. You don't even know it. Don't take it for granted. But there are things that I can do that maybe Drew won't excel in. And reminder, we're not rewarded when we get to heaven for how gifted we were. We're rewarded for what we did with our giftedness, for discovering what God has created you to do and then stewarding that. I was, woke up one morning and Got up a little early, was going to take my son to preschool, and I said, Avery, do you want to go on a special daddy date to McDonald's? He's five. We'll get McDonald's breakfast. It'll be the best. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, is that being a good steward? (laughs) What? (laughs) He said, we should probably eat what we have, Dad. I was like we're going to McDonald's right now (laughs) what I love about my wife is she's the most intentional person that I've ever met and she'd been talking to the kids the day before about what it means to be a good steward and why we don't eat out all the time and uh, and he took it to heart but I I haven't lost that question when I got nailed with it by a five-year-old And I just want to ask you today, are you being a good steward? That the king of heaven has put his giftedness within you. About all the ways that you think you've disappointed God. And you're not thinking nearly enough about all the ways that God is dreaming about using you. The key to overcoming sin in your life is not to feel bad or to worship harder. See, sin is an issue of temptation and it's an issue of addiction. But sin is really an issue of love. Some of us keep sinning because we love our sin. Honestly. It's comfortable. It feels good. It's become what we do. And the key to overcoming sin is to love something or someone else more than you love your sin. And the real key to victory is falling more in love with Jesus today and more in love with the calling that he has on your life to follow him, to serve him, to become like him and to be a witness for him, amen? Amen. The first step, friends, the Bible instructs us is Romans 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You know what I love about that verse, especially with this message, is that many people will say, well, God doesn't use me. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me. If your Bible tells us, if you're able to say Jesus is the Lord, that's only because the Holy Spirit helped you. And so even if you've made a confession of faith today that Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit has already worked in your life and he wants to work more, amen. So all across this place with every head bowed and eye closed, real quickly, if that's you today, this is a prayer between you and your heavenly father. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and right now you can take a moment whether you've ever known Jesus before whether you've kind of been wandering away take this moment and confess him as Lord of your life Jesus we surrender to you today come and have your way Lord we don't want to be great vessels of our own strength Physical training is of some good, but training for godliness is where we want to excel. So God, make us useful and ready. Lord, there's some in this place that have no idea what their gift is. And either today or tonight, God, would you fan that gift into flame? Even right now, God, let the spirit of revelation Enter into their heart and mind and reveal what you've gifted them to do. What they thought was just something they liked to do, but how you've actually equipped them to advance your kingdom. Would you reveal it right now, Heavenly Father? Come on, church, if I could ask you to do one more thing, it's would you just thank Him? because our thanksgiving to God often precedes breakthrough in our lives. So Lord, we thank you today. We honor you, Jesus. We exalt you. Come on, why don't you stand all across the place? Can we lift our hands? Can we lift our voices? God, we give you the highest praise today, Lord. Come on, if you're a vessel that wants to be filled today, Father, come fill this temple. God, less of me and more of you. I make space for you in my life. As we make space and sing this song, God, I make space for you. Lord, we worship you, we exalt you, God, and we thank you that you allow us to be used in your kingdom, in Jesus' name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.